0: Welcome to The Vine, a Plant Media Project podcast with your hosts, Elizabeth Sheldon and Gina Vensel. The Vine is an insightful look into the world of plant medicine, exploring the changing landscapes around cannabis and psychedelics, and ending the stigma through educational discussions. The Vine podcast does not offer medical advice nor condone any use of illegal substances. Consult your physician or therapist before making changes to your wellness plan and before trying alternative healing methods. Today, we welcome Mark Hayden, the Vice President of Business Development at Clear Mind Medicine, a company creating breakthrough treatments using psychedelics for binge behavior and mental health, including alcohol use disorder, binge eating, and depression. Mark was the Executive Director of MAPS, the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies in Canada for 10 years and is an adjunct professor at the University of British Columbia School of Population and Public Health. He has worked for 28 years in the addictions field and has provided public education on drugs and drug policy for over 30 years. Mark is also the director of clinical research for Psigen. Welcome, Mark.
1: Why, thank you, Gina. It's a pleasure <laughs> chatting to you.
2: We welcome you, Mark, and you are certainly an accomplished uh, man in the field of psychedelics, and we'd love to hear how how you got started, where it all began.
1: Ah, yes, the origin story. Um, <laughs> Indeed. Well, I was working in a program treating people with addictions probably 15, 18 years ago. I, I, my memory gets Foggy with the time, but I remember having a client who was very well known to me and my colleagues because many of us treated him and he was not doing well. I knew him and I knew his family. He was a heroin addict. And I somehow the words I began slipped out of my mouth, and he took it very seriously. And this man who was quite frankly, you know, poor um in his presentation of life, he had no he had very few life skills, he uh he presented very unkept in my office and but his parents had enough money to send him down to Mexico to have an Ibogaine treatment and he showed up in my office after the treatment and he looked me in the eye and he said I'm not an addict anymore and I said what what do you mean you're not an addict anymore and he said I now have walked into the crossroads of my life and I've looked one way and I see addiction and I see the other way and I see recovery And I realize I have a choice. I've never had a choice before. And I began has given me the choice. And I said, that's really interesting. What are you going to do? He said, well, I'm going to clean up and I'm going to show up in your office transformed next week. And he did. The next week he didn't look the same. And and I said, okay, what are you going to do now? And he said, I'm going to get a job. And he did. And it was like that all of the work that we'd done, he'd been on methadone. He'd been counseled by many of my staff and nothing had worked. I'd met with him and his family, uh, all of these things, and I began was the success. So I I actually took it on. So I decided to talk to my colleagues and my, my health authority supervisors and physicians about psychedelics. And I became persistent. And when I persist, I can really persist. And I became persistent. And eventually they had me invited to one of their larger management meetings. And I had 20 minutes on the schedule. And I remember that meeting vividly because I was initially challenged. I shouldn't be there, which was interesting. This is not a topic that we can discuss at our meeting, was what I fended off for the first five minutes. And eventually what I said to the person who was quite frankly challenging me is, for you, I understand that politics trumps evidence. But for me, evidence trumps politics, so I'm going to get on with my presentation. I did my 15 minutes, and I phoned the director back the next day, and I said, would you move ahead with my suggestions that we actually just start to take it seriously and have an informed discussion around this? And he said, no. And I said, why not? And he said, it's too political. And I said, we're not a political organization. We're a health authority. And he said, we can't do it. So that was transformative for me, that discussion. So, quite frankly, I quit the health authority and I started Maps Canada. And I became. How long
0: ago was this, Mark, just for context? So, how long ago did they say no to you when you said this?
1: That was about 17 years ago. It, it 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 was a while ago. Okay. But I also had this other thread that was going on in my life because I published stuff and I published stuff on on the failure of drug prohibition and I envisioned a different world, a world that is run by public health, public health models controlling drugs as opposed to prohibitionist models controlling drugs. So, how would you make drugs accessible through the lens of public health? And I published paper after paper after paper on that question just to help the public discussion move forward. And so I sort of had this public health theme, and then I had this psychedelic theme, and those two somehow came together in my life.
0: And that was and that was when you became the founder of Maps, then, because that you were yes. there for like ten years, weren't you?
1: So just to be clear, it was Maps Canada. Maps, Maps Canada. Maps, Maps USA yes. is is a huge organization, but I knew Rick Doblin, who who ran Maps USA, and and he wanted Maps Canada to start because he wanted. People who gave money in Canada to get a tax receipt, and I wanted MAPS USA. I wanted MAPS Canada to start because I needed a podium to stand on that was not the health authority. And so mm-hmm. we both wanted MAPS Canada. So I started and I ran it for ten years. Yes,
0: that is so fantastic. Yeah. So we
2: attended one of Clear Mind's virtual events and learned about MEAI. Is that correct? If we do, I have the acronym correct.
1: Yes. <laughs> Let's get to that in a moment. I want to get to that question somewhat tangentially because I just want to elaborate a little bit on how the world of Maps Canada led to the question you just asked me. Because while I was doing this whole psychedelic thing, um, really what I saw, if, if I have a lifetime goal, is to make psychedelics available. And so I use a variety of vehicles to make that happen. So I worked with the health authority and that didn't work, so I started MAPS Canada. And we there, while we're, our stated purpose was funding psychedelic research and we collected money and we gave it to researchers. So that was kind of what we existed to do. But really what we did was we were a public education organization and a community building organization. And so if I think about why cannabis was legalized in Canada, It was legalized because Justin Trudeau, our prime minister, read the polls. And the polls said 56% of Canadians supported cannabis legalization. And he just got in front of the parade and he got elected. In fact, he got elected by a landslide. So that's really interesting. So the cannabis world turned cannabis into a medicine and then popularized it. And that's the vehicle for legalization of cannabis in Canada. So knowing that, we need to do the same with psychedelics. So I am busily talking about psychedelics as medicine as much as I possibly can, because they are, they are incredibly helpful treatments. So I talk about psychedelic medicine constantly in public and slowly we're doing the same thing. And, and as ve- certainly the vehicle of MAPS Canada was a vehicle to engage the public. We were massive. You know, we, we were the public voice of psychedelics in Canada for 10 years and so getting the public to support it because the the numbers we're not there yet we don't have 56 percent of canadians supporting psychedelics but the, the cutting edge of the wedge is actually psilocybin for people who are dying and there's actually three 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 prongs so the psilocybin for people who are dying there is public support for that which is huge mdma for soldiers and police is also completely strategic as a way of thinking about it, because soldiers and police, when you're treating them with psychedelics, just changes the public dialogue completely, because, you know, it's no longer hippies and tie-dye t-shirts, it's actually men in uniforms. So that's very helpful in terms of shifting the stigma and the dialogue. And then the third arm is MEAI, MEAI for alcoholics, again, a psychedelic that's helpful for the treatment of Something that also has some commonality. There's many people that know somebody with alcoholism. If you ask a, an audience, how many people have been impacted either directly or family member or friend with somebody with alcoholism, everybody's going to put up their hand. So, uh, so that's a kind of a third prong of turning psychedelics into medicines and engaging the public around that discussion.
2: All right. So now that you've said that, meai, can you tell us what it is? Maybe. Yes. It, Yes. Thank you.
1: <laughs> so MEI is 5-methoxy-2-aminoindane. So it's, it's part of the aminoindane group. So in the sort of research chemicals or novel psychoactive substances or novel psychedelics, um, there are different groups. So the aminoindanes generally as a group are best described as MDMA that has lost its luster or stale MDMA. So it's, it's MDMA-like as a group, all of them. As a group, that's kind of what they feel like, but they're not as attractive as MDMA. So that, that's generally what the aminoindanes are. But the, this particular one, the 5-methoxy-2 aminoindane, M-E-A-I, has been noticed to have these really fascinating anti-addictive qualities. So it's um, just one of the, it's a unique molecule, and Clear Mind Medicine has um, seen that. And um, has patented the molecule for addic- for alcoholism, for alcohol treatment, and um, that—that's kind of the beginning of the discussion. They would really like to turn it. They would like to raise the money to turn this into an addictions treatment.
0: And It was our understanding that meai was available to the public at one time, and was like that you could even purchase it over the counter as a drink. And I wonder what happened with that. If, if you know how what happened because it seemed like it, if it was available, was that an, and was it available in Canada or America at the time?
1: So I actually don't know a lot about that piece of the history. So MEI was available recreationally and, and it was one of those people who took it recreationally that just observed this weird anti-addictive quality of it. So, so let me actually elaborate on the anti-addictive quality of it. What, that, what does that actually mean? So the, the way that I have experienced MEI is if you take one dose, it turns, it feels a bit like one beer. And so, you know, I'm not a big drinker, and most I ever drink is two beers. So one beer for me is, is mild, um, slightly relaxing, and slightly euphoric. If you take a second dose of MEI, it feels like two beers. Now that's the most I ever drink. So that at that point for me, two beers is like I'm quite relaxed and I'm really sociable and I'm connected to other people and it's a positive experience. If you take a third dose of MEI, it turns into a very low dose of MDMA experience. So at that point, it's about 30 milligrams of MDMA, a third of a normal dose. So pink and fuzzy and warm, not fantastic, not wonderful, but but positive. And, you know, I feel close to people and it's really quite, um, it's an engaging, positive experience. It's not a fantastic experience. No, it isn't. It's, it's a low-grade, positive experience. And that window of attractiveness is relevant for this. If you take a fourth one, the experience is that it actually changes dramatically. Now, the best description I've ever heard of or ever thought of as to how to describe that experience, is you imagine you just finished eating two pieces of chocolate-covered goopy cheesecake, and somebody puts a third piece of cheesecake in front of you and hands you a fork. You just look at it and you go, I can't imagine touching the cheese, I just can't think about even you push it away from you with this kind of yuck experience. But just imagine that. So imagine you're sitting at the table, staring at that third piece for a second and put yourself in your own shoes in that moment and ask yourself, why can't you touch the cheesecake? So it isn't because you're so stimulated you're hanging off the ceiling. It isn't because you're so sedated and you can't walk. It isn't because you're so sick and you're vomiting. None of those are true, right? It's because you're satiated. You're just simply finished. So MEI gives you this absolutely fascinating satiation response that's a little bit attractive. So let me go back and put that in context. So for alcohol treatment, what's available? So there's counseling if you want to go work on your trauma. Yeah, you know, you can do that. And there's lots of centers that will help you do that. It's difficult. It's hard work. And quite frankly, a lot of people don't want to walk that path. There's also AA, AA is a worldwide organization, it's fantastic in its availability, but if you actually look at the numbers of people that are helped by AA, the percentages are quite low. And it's hardcore abstinence, you know, you must stop everything, drug is a drug is drug, drug. And So it's, it's a hardcore abstinence, widely available program that actually doesn't work for a lot of people. There's some drugs available as treatments as a Composate and Naltrexone that kind of take away the pleasure of alcohol they numb the experience, so it's not really attractive. There's an abuse, um, disulfurin, but that nobody ever does that twice, at least I've never met anybody that did that twice, just because you're violently ill. If you mix it with alcohol, you're horribly sick. So the current treatments are either really hard to do, don't work very well, or not very attractive. So MEAI is unique. It's a unique experience because it's attractive. It's not hugely attractive, it's not fantastic. But it's attractive, you like it, it's positive. So, really, there's a couple of ways of thinking about MEI that it's it's attractive enough that it could actually be used as an alternative to alcohol because it feels a bit like alcohol. It could also be used, you know, you could take everything I've just said those one beer, two beer, MDMA, and cheesecake, you could put that all in one pill. And when you want to drink, you could take one. And then you could start drinking, but then you, if you want to drink, if your normal pattern is to drink 26 ounces of vodka, you're not going to drink 26 ounces of vodka. You're, you're just done. And so the anecdotal evidence for people just simply stopping drinking is, is pretty significant now. It's, um, it, there's a lot of people that have said this actually works quite well as an addiction interrupter. So that's that's really where MEI is. Um, that's the background. That's where it's coming from.
2: I have to ask you about that. Then I've wished that MDMA was something that I could take every day, um, and obviously you can't. So could this other drug be something for depression too? Um, you know, you don't. You said it's not the greatest, but some days I'll just take okay
1: so that's that's a question we don't know so there are there are there are many things I'll i'll tell you the things that we don't know the or no i'll tell you that we do know and then i'll tell you what we don't know so what we do know from small groups of people so anecdotal evidence is that it seems to work really well with alcoholism And it seems to work. There's there's many people that have told us that. There are a few people that have told us it works with other consumptive types disorders. So things like binge eating or overeating. Um, So people that eat too much, if you add that, if you give them the satiation response as they're tucking themselves under their bedclothes with a bucket of ice cream, um, it's that we believe it would work for that. We have some evidence that it works for smoking, which is actually kind of wild, because smoking is actually consuming something. Mm -hmm. You know, what we actually don't know at all is would it work for gambling? If you think about the non-consumptive addictions, which are gambling, sex, and shopping, so things like that where you're not actually consuming something, um, I don't know. Would would it work if you took MEI and then stood in front of a one-armed bandit pulling the lever? You know, I I don't know. Um, So these are all questions that we have to ask. So we're sort of working our way through the clinical trial pathway. And, and I, I was tutored in the world of MAPS, and, and what I, I learned is what you do is you prove it's useful for one indication first, and then you expand the indications. So MAPS is about PTSD at first, and then they're moving to other indications. We hope to do the same. So um, alcoholism is first, and then we'll, we'll move beyond and say, what else is it useful for? You know, I don't really have a sense as to whether it could be used for depression or not. I don't have any intuitive um, hit on that one, but I I have a pretty good sense that this is going to transform addiction treatment.
2: There are so many things I want to ask you off script. (laughs) (laughs) And I've talked, you know, like we're going to have to wait another two years for there are three years or five years for the people that we know need this now. Um, And so, yeah. Let's just start with any novel drug, uh, you know, it takes time. And with you and ClearMind, is it only Canadians that are going to be able to participate in some of your clinical trials?
1: So, no. In fact, the initial clinical trial research is going to be in through the FDA in the States. Um, oh, it's okay. just, And it's kind of, they made a decision to tackle the big one first. Because if you get approval in the FDA... You get approval all over the world so they really just decided just to climb the mountain and go for mount everest first so that's that's their logic and i understand that fair enough so um but quickly i mean well actually no quickly is the wrong word actually the right word is slowly um you want to do multi-site trials and then moving to other countries in canada would be the completely rational place to move but let's talk about the clinical trial pathway so you have to prove for a molecule to turn into a medicine you start by proving it safe in a Petri dish, and then you prove it safe in rodents, and then you prove it safe in other larger animals, things like pigs, and then you prove it safe in humans, and then you prove it's effective with a small group that's called phase two, and you kind of test out your protocol to see if the, you know, the protocol works, and you prove that it can work with a you know, double-blind placebo study, and then you go big. And that's called a phase three study. And going big means you have lots of sites in lots of countries and you show that it's effective in a large population. And the way it's phrased is it's generalizable to every human being on the planet. You have to have enough people of different types in different countries. You know, Germans are uh, completely different from Swedes, according to clinical trial thinking. And so you have to try it out with lots of different people enough to say, yes, this works for everybody. That's the clinical trial pathway. And quite frankly, it does take years. So
2: we're years away.
1: We are years away. And yet, you know, they're, they're, a, they're a, a tight team. ClearMind is a tight team and they're moving it ahead as, as quickly as they can. And, and so far, it's actually proving to be um, safe. And all of the clinical trial data that's coming forward, the preclinical toxicology information says, yes, this is safe in animals. And so then we need to move from that as quickly as we can into safety in humans. And then does it work? And it, it's a relatively easy clinical trial to do compared to the clinical trial experience that I've had, which is all about psychotherapy, because MEAI, the intention is to not to offer it in the context of psychotherapy. If you want to do psychotherapy on the side, if that's what you're doing anyway, and you're involved with addiction treatment, you can, but ClearMind won't play any part in that. So it's just giving people the molecule and saying, hey, try this. If you're an alcoholic. Try this and see what happens. I mean, so that's quite frankly a much easier clinical trial to put together than one that involves a huge amount of really complex and and quite frankly challenging therapy. It's it's difficult to do psychedelic therapy. And so these kind of clinical trials are easier and therefore quicker to do.
2: I mean, I think that I would like to do that. I I don't drink particularly a large amount, but um, maybe weight reasons or I want to feel better and I'm going to a cocktail party. That it would be nice to take something that loosened me up a little bit, but you know, made me not want to take that glass of wine or whatever,
0: or not want to drink the whole bottle, right? Because you said you can (laughs) have one piece of cheesecake and not eat the whole entire cheesecake, so being able to maybe have a glass of wine because I think it's the idea that you can't touch alcohol at all that turns off so many people like they don't they understand that our world is still social drinkers people want to get together and they use that as a way to get together with other humans so if if I can still go to the bar still not have you know still get to participate in all these social activities but not take myself to the point where I'm going to you know drunk drive myself home that's that could save people's lives just there with people not being able to control their alcoholism then they drive and they they hurt people on the way home i just think this has so much capacity. And Elizabeth and I know so many people in our own life that we feel could just be helped by this, that we're just so curious when it could be available or at least how we could help find some folks to participate in this study. Can you imagine a better you? Empathic Health is a global community providing support so you can find more fun, freedom, and connection in your life. Empathic Health is my integration solution for incorporating my healing work into my daily routine.
1: Empathic Health has given me a space to use my voice to express my thoughts and be myself in a safe place. I'm excited to get to the type of work that gives my life more clarity and joy. Helping others has done nothing but help me in return.
0: Know your medicine, know yourself. Join Elizabeth, myself, and the rest of the community today at empathic.health. So also, Mark, just was curious, you know, are there other psychedelic treatments on the horizon at Medicine?
1: Yes. So there's the MEI as an addiction treatment, an alcohol treatment, MEI as an alcohol substitute, but MEI to treat other addictions, like eating disorders is kind of the next intuitive one, which just feels right to people. And there's been some anecdotal evidence that people who overeat um, could use it to get that satiation response. And then how many other consumptive type addictions would it be helpful for is a question we're just asking ourselves. There are, they're kind of, they're into novel, novel molecules. That's what, and that's what clear mind medicine is all about is, is um, new psychoactive compounds. So they have another one that's a benzofuran that they think might be helpful as a backup for MDMA therapy. So MDMA therapy works well for many people, but if you've taken a lot of MDMA, MDMA doesn't work anymore. So if you have trauma and then you just happen to take, be in the stage of your life where you've taken so much MDMA, it doesn't work. MDMA, it doesn't work. Then you need something else. And the benzofurins might be helpful for that. That's a question we're asking ourselves. And also there, they have a, a A novel ketamine that um, has been invented by one of their group that we believe might be useful for depression so um so there's a there's a list of um novel psychoactive substances and different indications that we believe they could be useful for so that's that's the that's the clear mind model which is find a new molecule that's completely different and patent it and um and then um push it through the clinical trial process let me let me tangent for a second And then come back to what I just said. So I'm aware that I've worked for, I think, every type of organization. I've worked for government. I've worked for a health authority. I've worked in an academic institution. I've worked for a not-for-profit, MAPS Canada. And I've worked for a for-profit, which is Clear My Medicine. So I'm aware that every single one of those is needed in order to enact my vision of wide availability for psychedelics. So let's just go through that list again and say what each one of those needs to do. So governments are control the levers of policy and, and criminality. And so governments are needed to both regulate and to not criminalize psychedelics. So governments are absolutely needed. Um, Health authorities run health services, and psychedelics are medicines. They are treatment for a variety of types of disorders. So we need health authorities to adopt a wide variety of psychedelic treatments, and we need to embed them within all of their physician, medical, nursing, the whole thing. We need academic institutions because they train people to do all this work, and they also educate people about psychedelics. So academic institutions are absolutely needed not-for-profits are needed because they're so good at community development and public education and people love them so we need organizations like maps canada and we need for-profit organizations because they can attract the capital that's needed to walk a molecule through a clinical trial so every single one of those organizations some people sort of see them in opposition to each other and i don't i see that they all play a piece of the puzzle and I've now that I've worked in all of them, I see that they really need to work together to enact the vision of wide availability of psychedelic substances.
2: Because Mark, without the money, you can't get it through you, yes. you can't walk yes. it through the end. You can't get yes. it up Mount Everest.
1: Exactly. So that's why ClearMind basically has tons of patents because investors will org- invest it will invest in organizations that have have patented molecules. And they're not, I mean, there are some organizations out there with really silly patents that are overly broad and don't really make sense and very challenge other people. So ClearMind doesn't do that at all. ClearMind takes a completely novel molecule that they've noticed has very specific treatment potentials they patent it so that they're protected and then investors can be comfortable they will invest in the money and then you can do the clinical trial research and then bring these things into the public market
2: since you're on that topic just one last question as so the investors so the investors really you know they're going to invest in a lot of different things see which one sort of hits but they know their money's in for 5 to 7 years before they're ever going to see anything back.
1: Well, that's the risk reward thing. Right. So with But it's about know, that
2: time period. It, yes, they know yes. you're locking their money up. So yes. we need to be appreciative of that too. Um, yes.
1: yeah, it's not a short, it's not a short-term investment. It's right. a it's it's a huge potential long-term investment. In fact, quite frankly, that's how I invest. I don't invest short term. I'm not a day trader. I kind of put my money in something that I think is going to work in the long run. And, um, and I think ClearMind is going to work in the long run. That's why I had lots of choices. I chose ClearMind quite intentionally because I, quite frankly, I've tried the molecule. And I went, wow, this is remarkable. And I think it's going to transform addiction treatment.
0: We just want to be able to offer it to all the people that we know. Yeah. And so, yeah. I, I mean, how can we keep just abreast of everything that's going on? If when you're looking for people for these trials, how can we connect you? How can we get our listeners to potentially participate in, in some of this?
1: Well, Clear Mind Medicine, um, Clear Mind is one word. So, Clear Mind Medicine um, has a website. If you Google Clear Mind Medicine, you'll find it. Um, if you scroll down, you'll have the join. Um, Option and you plug yourself into that and you can also see what various things are coming up. So so they'll um, they'll let you know what's going on if you join the clear mind team.
0: It's great. Well, we really enjoyed the the free educational event that ClearMind put on, and that's how that we heard about this in the first place. So, yeah. we really appreciate that continued free education that your company is doing because that really, I mean, there was I think two thousand people or so that were had logged in from all over the world for this yeah. discussion. And like you said, you know, when we talk about other compounds and talk about yeah. other things, you know, there's still so many stigmas yeah. that are around it. But when we can sit down and talk about alcoholism, yeah. we know that no matter where we are in this country or in this world, that there are people with yeah. Within our circles that abuse alcohol. And with all of the things that negatively can affect that, I mean, I just love like kind of going full circle back to the story where you said that you got started with the patient that had gone down and got the Ibogaine treatment. You know, that's just not going to be possible for so many people to be able to travel, to do these kind of massive plant medicine journeys. And there's people that just need to have access to these compounds. And so I'm hoping that with something like this, you know, would it be... a more affordable option than for folks. So there could be this inclusivity where even if I don't have insurance, I might even still be able to afford to buy it. Well, that's actually a
1: huge question because I'm I'm somewhat disturbed or concerned by the costs of how psychedelic psychotherapy is going to be made available. I mean, I've done the math and, and I know what two credentialed people, I mean, the traditional kind of MAPS model of psychedelic psychotherapy is a male and a female therapist that has to set people up for the experience, give, and that's multiple interviews, give them the experience, that's a full day, debrief the next day, the next day, you know, you know there's this whole debrief integration process that has to happen with credentialed people. That equals money. And, and so anybody that's trying to roll these things out, and the door is sort of slowly opening in Canada, it's going to be expensive. And so while I applaud and I love the companies and the people that are doing that, I also see this huge financial block. And the thing with MEI is it's not going to be associated with therapy, which means it's not going to be expensive. And so the idea is that essentially, if you have alcoholism, you go to your physician, you say, "You know, I really want to try this, this new treatment. And then you purchase it from your pharmacist and you take it home. And then you take it when you want to take it. And you take it when you, you know, I really want to go out drinking right now. You pop a a pill and then you head out to the bar and you just don't do the diving into the great swimming pool of alcohol and swimming around till you drown. You just don't do that. You you just stop drinking. But you like it. Now, Now let's actually talk about the like it thing as well because you don't want to like it too much. Because if you like it too much, then we have another addiction problem on our hands. So it's attractive, but it's not too attractive. So it's enough that you'd like it, but you don't, you're not going to dive into the great MEAI addiction thing because you can't become addicted to something that just gives you the satiation response that you don't love. It's not fantastic. It's positive, but not too positive.
2: Right. Because you don't, know, I don't feel good when I'm too full, when I've eaten <laughs> two pieces <laughs> of cheesecake, you know, yes. I'm like, I'm satiated, but I'm kind of, meh, you know. Yes
1: yes and the lead up to it is like is like a small amount of alcohol and a little bit of mdma so it's 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 a kind of a warm fuzzy positive connecting feeling that is attractive but you don't go wow that was fantastic i want to try that you know you don't have that experience with it in fact what you have is the kind of yuck experience so it's 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 an attractive treatment that isn't too attractive. And that's that's a narrow window there. You know, you know, mm-hmm. it, just getting that window right is is not easy and I think that's one of the kind of remarkable things about MEI is is people like it but they don't love it.
0: And then you can still drink a little, have that little piece of cheesecake but not have to eat the whole pie or eat the whole
1: cake. Exactly. You can sit down and have a piece of cheesecake and just love it, but you know, you don't rub your face in the cheesecake. It's like you just, you're done with, you're done with cheesecake. I
0: I love that example (laughs) because I think we (laughs) all can, can use food, like think of it in terms of food, but that's why I really feel like binge eating could be the next qualifying condition for this because I just, I we've been following the trials that have been happening with like anorexia and psilocybin and how that's beneficial for there. But with the addiction properties of, of overeating, I just feel like that's so, this compound could be so fantastic. We're going to continue to um, attend your online workshops. I know that there's still so much more that we can learn. And we really encourage all of our listeners to check out Clear Mind Medicine to attend these free workshops. So you can really dive in and hear from <laughs> Clear Minds professionals, everything that's happening with these ongoing trials. And if there's someone that's interested in participating in these trials, make sure that you follow and, and log online now and get added so that as this information comes out, maybe you could participate in this study. Um, we really want to so- continue to support ClearMind and what they're doing with all these novel medications. We know that we're certainly still out there finding ways to deal with our addiction and to deal with our just managing our own mental health. And we feel that this is just such a novel and incredible um, compound and we can't wait to see where it goes and we want to thank you so much for your time and joining us today mark
1: thank you gina thank you elizabeth it's been a pleasure having this conversation
0: it's really been a pleasure having you on our show today and we appreciate all of our listeners for tuning in to another episode of the vine a plant media project podcast for cannabis and psychedelic news please join us online at plantmediaproject.com together we can end the stigma around plant medicine